we forget that God gives us an intuition as women. We know when we're out of balance. I know when we start getting really out of balance in the home. These are all the signs. Pull back, Jen. I like to pull back over my birthday because I'm vain like that. I'm getting ready to turn 50 and I'm like, mom's taking off 10 days. Watch me work. Here I go. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Christy Wright Show, where faith meets personal development so you can have a bigger faith and a better life. I'm so excited because today we are talking about hustle. Yeah, working hard. When is it good and when is it too much? And then I get to sit down with my good friend, best-selling author, business owner, speaker, and all-around really awesome woman, Jennifer Allwood. And we're gonna talk about what balance looks like and when we're supposed to work hard, and when we're supposed to rest, it's gonna be a good one. But first, let's talk about this idea of hustle, especially in our culture where we are obsessed with hustling and working hard. You know, I'll give you an example that I think of from years ago. So this would have been in 2008, and I was a young director at a local nonprofit. So I gotta tell you, at this specific moment, I was on the tail end of three years of hustle, like three years of working nonstop, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I worked seven days a week. Some weeks it would be from 5 a.m. until 10 p.m. when we closed. The demand was unending and I was giving it everything I had. Granted, I was 23 years old, so I had a lot of time. I didn't have any other responsibilities and I poured myself into my career and I loved it. It was an amazing experience. Also, I got really stinking tired. Like after three years of this, of being on nonstop and working so hard for my goal of building my career, by the end of that third year, I had accomplished a lot. In fact, there was this specific moment where I I remember sitting down in my leader's office and we were just recapping the last year. I'd been promoted, moved to a new location, and y'all, I had turned this center around. The entire staff before I got there was the worst by every metric that they evaluated them on. The absolute worst in the entire association of 30 centers. It also was under budget significantly and not hitting its numbers. Well, in less than 12 months, I had taken that staff team from the worst in the entire association of 30 centers to the best by every one of those same metrics. I also had increased our revenue by 50% overall in the year the economy crashed. Like y'all, my Goals were blown out of the water. I had this amazing report card of what I had accomplished in my year at this particular center. And so I walk into this office beaming with pride. Like I'm just ready for a pat on the back, an applause, a well done Christy Wright. Well, it was Christy Brown at the time. And so I remember sitting there and I remember what my leader said to me. And he said, well, you know, I know you did turn the staff team around Uh, significantly, and I know you have increased revenue by 50% in the year that the economy crashed, but I just got to tell you, you're really not here enough. Y'all, I was working 80 hours a week. He said, you're just not here enough, and uh, we got got to, you know, we really need to do something about it. And in that moment, I sat on the other side of the desk of this person that realistically was in a role I was working toward. That would be a potential promotion in the future to get his job as he moved up. And I saw a person 
that I never wanted to be. I thought if this is what this looks like, if, if the next stage of my success in this organization is working even more hours and this not being good enough, I don't wanna be you. Now y'all, he was the nicest man. He's a good man. He's a man that loves God. But there was no end to the hustle. There was no good enough. There was no season of rest. And in that moment, in that chair that day, I mentally quit. Started searching for jobs. The job search that led me to where I am today. Thank the Lord for that. But it it brings up this question of how much hustle is enough? How much is enough? Do you need to hustle and work hard for your goals? Of course you do. Nothing comes easy. There's no shortcut to anywhere worth going. You've got to hustle, put in the work, put in the hours. You've got to bust it to get to where you want to be and do what you want to do. Y'all know I'm so supportive of that. But how much is enough? When can you take your foot off the gas? When can you breathe? When can you rest, take a vacation, or just take a nap? How much hustle is enough? You know, we live in this culture that is just obsessed with hustle. Hustle harder, work harder, go for it, go for your goals, go for your dreams, put in the hours, grind, go for the goals, be a goal getter, be a goal goal grinder, go, 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 work for it, work for it, work for it, hustle harder, hustle harder, hustle harder. And that's true sometimes. But then you also hear other messages, don't you? You see them in your Instagram feed and it says, slow down, rest, recover, have some renewal of your mind, have some recreation in your life, slow down, have silence, be alone, stop hurrying, rest, slow down, slow down, slow down. And that's true. Sometimes. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there is a time for everything. In the Christy Wright translation, a time to hustle and a time to slow down. But how do you know which is which? How do you know when you should hustle and work harder and put in the effort even when you don't feel like it? And how do you know when you should slow down? Or maybe when slowing down becomes laziness. How do you know? Well, I want to give you three guidelines today. Y'all know I love to take concepts and make them practical and actionable in your life. These are three guidelines that are going to help you answer this question for yourself. When to hustle and when to slow down and what is right for you. So let's dig into these. Number one, the first guideline is you need to know the demands of the season you're in. What are the demands you have on you? As in the realistic, practical limitations that you are facing day in and day out. You have them. You live them out every day, even if you haven't thought about it. But these demands in the season that you're in will determine if you need to hustle in this season a little more than you want to, or if you need to slow down, maybe even more than you want to. I'll give you an example of two extremes. Right now, as everyone is very well aware, because I talk about it all the time, I'm in a season of little kids. Little kids are very physical, as in the demands I have on me to parent them are physical demands. Physically giving three kids a bath every single night, physically clicking them in their car seat every single day, physically getting their milk, cleaning up their plates, pulling on pull-ups or diapers, it's so physical. And it's exhausting, y'all. 
If you have little kids or you remember when your kids were little, it is physically exhausting, which means that is a practical demand in this season of life that I have on me. I don't have the option to come home from work at 5.30 and crash on the couch and say, Mary Grace, get your own dinner. Carter, give yourself a bath. Everybody put yourself to bed. That is hilarious. That would never happen. Complete pandemonium would erupt in my house. And I wouldn't rest, and they wouldn't get dinner or clean or to bed. That's a very practical demand I have in this season. I have to hustle. I have to come downstairs after putting the kids to bed, after dinner and bath and book and teeth, and come downstairs and clean up the kitchen and make lunches for the next day when I don't feel like it. I've got to. It's a demand in this season. But let me give you an opposite extreme. Last fall, I had surgery, surgery that was very invasive and required six weeks of recovery, six weeks of doing almost nothing, which meant I had to be still. I had to rest. I could not even get my own food. I could not do anything. And in this season, while the first couple days may have been nice, like, oh, I just get to sit back. By the second week, I was bored out of my mind, antsy and restless didn't change the fact that I had six weeks of recovery. So weeks three, weeks four, week five, I still had to rest. That was a very practical demand, a limitation I faced in that season of surgery recovery that required me to rest more. So what demands do you have on you in this season? The demands that you're facing, the real limitations you're facing will determine how much you have to hustle, and how much you have to or get to slow down. But let me give you your second guideline. Your second guideline to know when to hustle and when to slow down is to know the priorities of your season. This is a little different. Priorities are simply what's important to you. What do you wanna focus on in this season? What matters to you? I'll give you another example of extremes. In the summer, my priority is going to the lake, going to the pool, going to the park, going to the playground, being outside. I love recreation. I love playing. I love the outdoors. I work a lot less in the summer than I do any other time of the year. I leave early. I take the weekends with my family. I'm not working on email at night or on the weekends. Sometimes I'll take Fridays off and just go play with my kids. That's a season where my priority is play, recreation, rest, and renewal. And that's what's going to happen this summer. But then you transition to fall. Well, in September, my next book is coming out called Take Back Your Time, ironically about this very subject of life balance. And you know what I'm going to be doing this fall? I'm going to be hustling. I'm going to be all over the country going on media hits, talking about the book, speaking. I'm going to be on stages. I'm going to be working my behind off because my priority this fall is this book and promoting this book and getting it into as many hands as possible to help as many people as possible. See, when you know the priorities of the season you're in, you'll know are the priorities hustle priorities Or are they rest priorities? My priority this summer is to rest, and I'm going to be gearing up this fall because my priority this fall is going to be to hustle and work hard for this book. When you know your priorities, you'll know when to hustle and when to slow down. And I want to give you a third guideline. Your third guideline to know when to hustle and when to slow down is to know the goals of the season you're in. 
Now, again, this is slightly different than your demands and even slightly different than your priorities because this would be an actual measurable metric for these areas of your life. So when you think of hustling, whether it is working hard, working out, working hard at your job, working hard at your business, working hard on your house, whatever that is, set a goal there. You know what that means? It means there is a number attached to it. There's an actual measurable metric of success. You hit it or you didn't. I want to work on my side business 20 hours this week. Okay, you're setting a goal to hustle for your business 20 hours. You know what that means? When you hit 21 hours, you are allowed to take your foot off the gas because you set a goal and you hit that goal for how much you're going to hustle. Maybe if you're a type A hard driving go-getter, you need to set goals around rest as well. You want to have quiet time for 30 minutes every single day. You set that goal and then you know if you hit it or you didn't. What's so amazing about goal setting, whether it's any area of your life, is that it lets you know how you're doing. Rather than getting to the end of your week and feeling, oh, I didn't do anything I wanted to do, I I didn't spend my time on what I wanted to, you can look back and go, oh no, I actually spent a ton of time with my kids. I actually worked on my side business 20 hours. I actually did quiet time three times that week. Set a goal for the season that you're in of how much you want to hustle and how much you want to rest, and that will let you know if you're doing what you say you want to do. Guys, when you do this, when you know the demands of the season that you're in, the demands that you have, and you know the priorities that you set, and you know the goals that you want, you will know when to hustle and when to slow down. Then you can do the right things at the right time, and like we always talk about, then you will feel balanced. All right, y'all, I'm so excited because I get to sit down, virtually at least, with one of my very good friends, Jennifer Allwood. Jennifer is a business owner, business coach. She has a best-selling book, Fear Is Not the Boss of You, and she's just a really awesome person. Jennifer, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I would not miss it. I'm, I'm super excited. This is not your first time on the show. You and I are great friends. You've spoken at Business Boutique. We have just been kindred spirits for years. And so I'm so excited to get to have you back on because we are talking about something that I always look to you for, and that is wisdom about when to hustle and when to slow down. And gosh, sometimes it's hard to know the difference. But before we dive into Mm. that, for anyone that may be watching or listening that doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit about your business, about your book, Fear is Not the Boss of You, and all the Mm. things you love to work on. Yes, thank you. I'm honored that you would think of me on that topic. So, yes, I live in Kansas City, Missouri. We have four children. You and I are similar. We got two boys and a girl, and then um, we were sending one off to college, and we ended up adopting a little girl two years ago. Uh, so now we're back to homework folders, Christy, yeah. fun time. <laughs> um, I've been an entrepreneur since the year 2000. I started a decorative painting company in Kansas City. It was fabulous. We got to do extreme home makeover with, like, ABC and Ty Pennington three times. It was a lovely business until um, about four or five years ago when I realized I capped my income at a certain amount locally and kind of couldn't get past that and had some uh, weird feelings about, is it okay to actually want more than that? I actually think it is because if I make more, I can give more. If I make more, I can impact more. But I couldn't figure out how to make more with a painting company other than shifting to the online space to really utilizing and leveraging social media for my business. So I switched my business over to teaching people how to paint online. And then people started asking me, Jennifer, how many 
social media followers do you actually have right now? And how many, how did you get those? And so um, I began to start teaching people about five years ago how to get more Facebook followers, Instagram, Pinterest, and then how to be able to sell to those people. Because um, I don't know if you know this or not, but you could have a lot of followers and still not be making a lot of money. So um, so I started business coaching about five years ago. And here we are now, wrote a book called Fear is Not the Boss of You at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, I wrote it the year before the pandemic. I didn't know it was going to come out <laughs> right as the pandemic started. And so the timing of that, you know, was a it was not my preference, but I mean, what a better time for a book on fear than then. So yeah, Fear is Not the Boss of You is my book. I have about 2,500 clients that I coach every month in the online space about social media and get to do fun things um, like be on your podcast. I love hearing your story because it's funny. I think you and I became friends. It must have been right around the beginning of when you started shifting to teaching, mm-hmm. uh, painting, teaching business, because that's yes. kind of all I've really known you as, even though I knew yeah. you did the painting business before. But even just a recap there of what you do, you used to do painting, then mm-hmm. you taught painting, then you taught business, and yep. now then you became an author. And yes. I just love seeing that evolution because a lot of times, and you know this, um, with working with business owners like we both do, people will come to you and say, what am I supposed to do or what's my next thing? And and this is an evolution of you yeah. stepping into your gifts, stepping into mm-hmm. opportunities of doors that God has opened for you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look today, I would imagine, like you thought it was going to look six or 10 years ago. And so I just yeah. love your faithfulness to be open to something new in that in that evolution in your own business as you as you show up um, for the people that God yeah. has for you to serve. Thank you. And I always tell the women that I'm coaching, it's it's often a good thing that we don't know what God's got coming down the road for us. Because had I known, you know, 21 years ago when I started that painting company, or even four or five years ago, that I would be sitting here doing things like this today, I probably would have been like in the fetal position in the right. corner, you know, <laughs> like not me, not ready, not it. <laughs> but so it's often good that we don't know, right? You know what's what God has just around the corner for us. So thanks yeah. for recognizing that. Yeah. I love that. Well, it's been so fun to watch your journey and it's been so fun to be on this journey with you because you and I are such kindred spirits. We love helping women. We love helping mm-hmm. people push past their fear, build their businesses, chase their dream, figure out what that thing is. And I just love locking arms with you um, in this space. So one of the things that I have, I've learned so much from you, Jennifer, and, and offline and online, publicly and privately, but one of the things I have always been impressed by is it seems like you have such a, measured take, such a balanced, wise take on this idea of hustle. Now, let me give some, Mm -hmm. let me unpack this for our audience here of kind of where I'm going with this before I dive into your questions. We live in a generation where everything, it feels like the message is hustle harder, hustle, hustle, hustle. You've Mm got to build your business, chase your dream, hustle, stay up late, wake up early, get the grind, goal getter, all the things. And that's true sometimes. It's not completely Mm -hmm. untrue. But that message is so strong that we're not sure, okay, well, when when can I take a break? When can I take yeah. a breath? When can I slow down? I can't maintain that. So I want to start with a post that you post almost every December when the whole rest of the world is going, hustle, 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 go faster, go harder, end the year strong, start the year yes. right. You have a different message. And it always stands out to me, Jennifer, because it so resonates with what I'm feeling and craving in my own spirit. And mm-hmm. you have a message of rest. You say something to the effect of, I'm not going to start the new year screeching in on two wheels. I want to rest and coast in from this place of rejuvenation and rest. And I know I'm not saying it right, but let's start there. Why do you feel like you want to spread that message, especially when the rest of the world has a different message, at that specific time of year? 
Thank you, first of all, that you notice me doing that every year. I'm honored that you even notice that. So one of the things that I feel really strongly about is that the way that you end one season is always the way that you're going to start another season. And so I know that the message is usually like, push, push, push to the end of the year. But I don't want to start the new year in January like push, push, pushing. In fact, I don't like pushing at all. I think there's sometimes there's seasons, Christy, that we need to push, but I don't love the fact that people want you to push into the end of the year when it's the holidays. And I really want to focus on my family. I really want to focus on the things that are important to me. I really want to be able to kind of tone down work and have the women that work for me be able to kind of pull back also. So I don't want to push at the end of the year because then I know we're going to start the new year pushing and that's just not how I want to set up my business. Yeah. And you you talk about your priorities. I want to talk about that because you are really mm-hmm. clear on your priorities publicly and even we We've talked about this privately. Tell us what that looks like for you in a practical way and specifically, because I want to circle back to this because I think this is actually really powerful. Yeah, so I can simplify kind of um, what God has convicted me personally about in just one sentence. I don't want to win at work and lose at home. Mm. That's the bottom line for yeah. me. And um, and that can look in a lot of different ways, but I have you know a very successful online business, but I never want to be so successful there that I'm losing things at home, You know, losing sight of what's happening with my children. My husband's not feeling well taken care of. Things are out of order. Um, you know, Everything's chaotic in the home. I, I don't want it to be that. And so I have to consciously pay really close attention to that because the truth is I love to work. Yeah, and same. so I, I try to you know make sure that I'm being really careful about overworking. And I can tell you, you'll know if you're overworking, Chris, so here's my tip. Ask the people you live with. Mm. They will be the ones that tell you if you're out of order and things are out of balance. Because sometimes I think I'm doing a terrible job and the kids are like, no, mom, we're fine. Yeah. Uh, but other times they're like, well, you know, I kind of wish. And then I'm like, dang it. Yeah. And so um, making sure that, um, you know, I say that my family comes before my job, um, I've got to make sure that I'm actually putting then my family before my job. Do I think that there are seasons when we have to focus on mom's work? Because, you know, the mortgage is due and we have to eat, of course, and we're launching a program or a book or what have you. But those sprints of hustle should be short seasons because they're not sustainable for the long term. Yeah. They're just not. This is how women burn out. And I've even, Christy, been doing a lot of thinking lately about why women do hustle sometimes the way that we do. And sometimes I wonder if... Um, we can almost use that. It's, it's almost sometimes like a trauma response. Um, a lot of women, I think, will hustle and overwork because they're avoiding feeling things. And so sometimes I think, too, if things feel out of control at home, that a lot of times as women will be like, okay, well, what can I control? Work. Yes. I can control right. work. Yeah. And then we'll go all in on work, you know, and neglect some of the things that we know are actually our priority, but it feels almost easier sometimes to win at work than it does at home, especially if you have three teenagers. Can I just throw that in there? A hundred percent. Or fun? three little okay. kids. A hundred percent. Because I can oh control goodness. my work way more than I can control my children. Can we just say that? 100%. That is a fact. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. And there's times when I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with these children. I mean, there yeah. is no manual for having one in college, one in high school, one in middle school, and one in, in elementary school. And by the way, we will not have one in preschool in case you were going to throw that in there. <laughs> just, and just so, but I do know what to do on Facebook. I do know what to do on Instagram stories. You know what I mean? Right. And so I find myself falling into that often and just need to like bring myself back all the time. Okay, so here's my question then. How do you know? How do you know this is a season of hustle? This is what's right right now. I don't need Mm -hmm. to feel guilty for focusing on the book, the launch, the project, the business. This is, I want to be all in. We're all on board. We're all in because this is Mm -hmm. what's right right now. And how do you know, mm, the Christmas is an example. This is a season of rest. Summer is mm-hmm. an example. I know for a yeah. lot of people, seasonality of school and there's, you know, the, the literal seasons can help mm-hmm. dictate that. Yes. But how do you in your own mind 
and, and, and spirit and in a practical way, Jennifer, how do you decide like, this is what this season looks like and this is a time to go all in and this is a time mm-hmm. to really pump the brakes. For yep. yourself, I'm just curious how you do that. Okay, so I think usually you just know. How did you know that you weren't done after two kids? You just kind of knew, right? Yeah. You just kind of yeah. know. Yeah. You just and so when women ask me like, "How do you know?" Um, you know, I have I have three babies, and I just not I'm not sure if I'm done yet. Well, then you're probably not done. Like you know what? I think we forget that God gives us an intuition as women. We know when we're out of balance. We know darn good and well when we are out of balance. Some people do, but Jennifer, you and I are super opinionated. We are super like, we. I feel like that we are more the type of personality that's like, yes, this is what I want to do and we go for it. I think there are yes. some people, maybe personalities that doubt themselves. And it's just, a, it's just whether it's from how they were raised or mm-hmm. their personality style. So I think, I think maybe, maybe you and I take that for granted because I think yeah. we might know and be more in tune with that than some people are. Do you think? Well, I think as entrepreneurs, you've really got to start paying attention to that intuition because otherwise, like we'll look at people, how they're building their business and we'll think, okay, well, this is the example that I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to do it. This is what it's supposed to look like. Um, it's not really how I want to, but you'll start modeling your life or your business after somebody else and, and ignoring that still small voice that you have on your own. And so I think that, Chrissy, there's a conviction that God will give maybe your family that's different than mine, my family different, right. you know, than other right. people's. So I think that it, that's why it has to be really personal. Um, there are other women that maybe would be able to put in a lot more hours every week than what I can or that I want to. But my personal conviction, I have like, I know when we start getting really out of balance in the home and the house starts feeling really chaotic and the kids start falling off the rails and mom's crabby. I mean, those are all the signs. Pull back, Jen. Yeah, pull back. And for us, the, the physical calendar is important because I like to pull back during the summer. I like to pull back over the holidays. I mm-hmm. like to pull back over my birthday because I'm vain like that. Right. I'm getting ready to turn 50 <laughs> and I'm like, mom's taking off 10 days. Watch me work. Here I go. It's going to be <laughs> It's going to be amazing. And so, um, so you know, there's times that that um, I want my kids to know they're the priority. Like when my son Noah, we were just moving him up to college. Um, I actually had a challenge that week for my business and was supposed to be, you know, live on camera on that Saturday morning. I had to tell my team, like, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm moving him to college, um, you know, that Saturday. And so always trying to make sure that the kids understand there are times when mom has to work, but I always want them, I never want them to be my age, Christy. And sitting in front of a therapist saying, I never felt like I was the priority. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I'm constantly trying to keep that in mind. I know I'm not doing it perfect, but I just want to be really aware of the fact that, yes, this is my job, yeah. but it's also my business that I designed myself and I can do it in a way that still honors my family and puts money in the bank account. It is yeah. possible to do both. There are times, like I've told you, when we're launching the book, when we're launching a course, when we're doing a challenge, where I will have to work more than normal. But my team also knows that I want to work while my kids are at school. Yeah. So as little on the weekends ever as possible. It's very rare you'll ever see me do something on a Saturday or Sunday. As little after the kids get home from school as absolutely possible. I mean, would we possibly have better results if we did a lot of our pushing at seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night? Probably. Because right. a lot of the women I coach, you know, work a day job and right. have a side hustle. But again, it goes back to setting up a business in a way that's really authentic to you. Right. And, you know, I even did this though in the beginning. And in the beginning is usually when you need cash, right? In order to maybe leave that day job, especially. But even in the beginning, I was highly aware of the fact that I don't want to just, um, you know, do all these extra things that I know I can't maintain for the long haul. And so making sure from the very beginning, I was working just when the kids were gone, when the babies were napping, when they had a play date. Um, I have always been just really aware of that. And sometimes I think we think we're maybe doing a bad job, but then 
the fact that you're even aware of it probably means you're doing a better job than yeah. what you think. You know what I mean? It's, yes. it's like when moms are like, I'm not sure if I'm doing a good job as a mother. I'm like, the fact that you're even worried about the fact that you're doing a good job as a mother probably means you're doing a good job as a mother. Right. So right. It's, the fact that. That it's that thing. Yes. The fact that you're asking the question, you know, I love how you talk about the seasonality because my seasonality of my work and family mirrors mm-hmm. so much of what you're talking about. It, it a lot of times is the school calendar. It's the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. taking my foot off the gas. I'm hanging out with my kids. I'm leaving early to go get yes. them from school and go get ice cream. And, mm-hmm. and that's what it looks like in the summer and winter. And then the fall and spring are heavy event seasons for me. I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. I'm on the road. But even in a more... Um, specific time frame, a lot of times in a month or in a week or in a day, I'll say what I'll say to myself, what is right right now? When I'm feeling yes. pulled in lots of directions, mm-hmm. what is right right now? What is right right now? And sometimes the right mm-hmm. thing is my child. Sometimes the right thing is my husband. Sometimes mm-hmm. the right thing is my work or Amen. whatever. But when you just say what is right right now, it helps you kind of discern, is this a time to, to hustle, to work, to focus on this area or yeah. that? Because I think we do feel pulled in so many different directions. But you said something a second ago that I think is really Mm -hmm. powerful. And I think for women to align how they spend their time with what they care about the most is where that balance, that feeling of balance comes from. You know, one of the examples you used, um, uh, taking off during the holidays and your team takes off. Mm -hmm. I don't, for almost ever, post on social media on Saturdays. And that's a Mm -hmm. simple thing, but it's intentional to Mm -hmm. say to my audience, I don't want you looking at your yep. phone on Saturday. If I'm going to teach you yep. to be with your family on Saturday, then I'm not going to be in yep. your newsfeed on Saturday. And so it's a right. very simple, intentional thing that most people probably don't notice, but it feels like for me alignment of my yeah. values to what my work is, of my values to how I spend my time, of my values of how mm-hmm. I'm teaching others Good. to spend their time. I want to circle back to something else you said, though. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I love about you, Jennifer, because you're so outspoken on it. And this is not even the topic of today, but I don't even care because I <laughs> love okay. talking to you about this. Let's, let's go. All in. Listen. I go on vacation with my husband every year, every spring, mm-hmm. just he and yep. I, for about four or five days. We just go Good to Fort Lauderdale, Panhandle, whatever. We've gone to Hawaii. We've taken some big trips, small trips, expensive, yeah. inexpensive. Every year, if I post a vacation photo or say like, hey, I'm, I'm out, you know, mm-hmm. me and Matt are going on vacation, I always get messages. How do you do that? How do you, how do you leave your kids? How do you, what do you mean? You, like, how can you just, how can you leave your kids? And I'm like, you just go. You book yeah. a flight and you go. And the reason I bring this example up is I'm amazed at how many women feel guilty mm-hmm. for spending time with their husband, investing yep. in their marriage, mm-hmm. prioritizing it in any way. It's like, I feel like I see a trend. And let's just, I want to let you, wind you up and let you mm-hmm. go here on this one where it's like the kids become everything and the husband moves to the back burner and then they wonder yep. why they don't have a good marriage. Go. Help. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, the, the very, common. very best thing that you can do for your children is take care of the marriage to your husband. That is the best thing that you can do for them. And I don't want my kids growing up with them seeing themselves as the center of what Jason and I, you know, are doing here. Because then they grow up and they're just, um, God bless them, but they're arrogant. They think the world revolves yeah. around them. Yes. And that's not the way things work. The truth is they joined our life, um, you know, <laughs> our, our marriage. I mean, I love being a mother. I love being a mother, but um, they're going to be grown and gone. One of them, you know, has already left for college. We got one that's going to be a senior and then it's just going to be me and their daddy still. And so the best thing I can do for my kids is model taking care of our marriage. And so we do the same thing. We leave at least once a year. Um, It's not hard for me, Christy. It's never been hard for me. I'm like, bye. (laughs) 
Every, almost every and, year we end up calling and changing our flights to add on days. We're like, see ya. Oh, <laughs> now I need to do that. I need to do that. Um, and so, you know, because it's hard to like uh, navigate and orchestrate like childcare and who's doing sure. this and who's doing sure. that. What and Jason and I are getting ready. Um, we're going to St. Thomas in uh, in the next couple months for my birthday. And so we're going to be gone for seven days with a bunch of friends and the kids are not coming. And I feel guilty zero about yes. it yes. because we will come back better parents. That's right. We will come back more solid. We will come back, um, you know, happier, just human beings, just having been had that time to just focus right. on one another. And I want our kids to see that. I don't want our kids to think that they get to be the priority over right. our marriage because I think it's out of order. That's right. And when we get things out of order, then everything starts to get sloppy. Everything starts to get confusing and everybody pays for it. Yeah. That's the that, bottom line. It goes back to what you said about order and our God is it a does. God of order. And I just love that reminder mm-hmm. because it gives you this incredible foundation that the kids feel mm-hmm. safe within. Very b- safe. Bec- because you have that. I, You know, when Matt and I go on date nights, we've been doing this. We don't do it every week. But whenever mm-hmm. we go, when we go regularly. Whenever yes. we go still, my kids are like, now you're doing what? Like we're going on a date. Mm-hmm. Just just you and dad? Yes. But why Absolutely. can't we go? It's like they can't fathom that the world does yeah. not revolve around them. And they see us go on vacation. They see mm-hmm. us go on dates. But that repetition and reminder that we have something apart from them that was yes. before them, that is the foundation of the safety that they live within 100%. in the context of our specific yeah. family. And I think that that visual and that reminder is so important, just like you're saying. It really is. And Jason and I, my husband and I, we both come from broken homes, both come mm-hmm. from divorced families. Yep. And yep. so I think it's even um, more important for yes. us just trying to be um, just trying to stay married. You know what I mean? And, you know, we're at 24 years at this point. And I, the thing is, I think our kids even secretly like it now when we leave. You know what I mean? Because they get to have fun with grandma or with aunts and uncles or whatever. But that safety thing is really more important to your kids, Chrissy, than what you think. I have very few memories of feeling like safe watching my parents when they were married. Mm. And um, and I just want to give my kids something different. And I know it makes them feel safe and secure when they know that dad and I are solid. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not arguing about how fast he drives, Christy, right. because we are. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Let's be there is a, definitely a faster route. <laughs> there is. And so, um, but it does, I know just that when we go away and we have time just to focus on each other and, you know, dreams and family and and um, just come back, It's we're much more connected as a family. The kids are way more excited to see us. I think they appreciate us more and we appreciate sure. them more. It's, sure. it's good to be away and come back. Well, it's that feeling when you have spent, you know, however many months and months, maybe years, if someone mm-hmm. hasn't taken a vacation, and you are yep. literally running the business of your family. Who's got the dry cleaning? Who's picking up the kids? Right. Who's going to soccer practice? And you are running a mm-hmm. business of your home, yes. and you're not connecting as spouses, as dating, as fun, as flirtatious. And you go on a date, whether it's just going to dinner, or you go mm-hmm. to St. Thomas, or you go on a vacation, yes. and pretty quickly you go, oh, there we are. Yes. There we are. Oh, we're yes. still us. Remember us that dated mm-hmm. and laughed and flirted and played. Yes. And remember when we got caught in the rain? Remember? Oh, there we are. I yeah. have chills even That's, as I think about it because the power of feeling that feeling of going, there we are. We, we are us. We are still us, even though we're doing the dry cleaning and all the things day to day. You've got to have that time to remember who you are. And then to your point, when you come back, not only are you stronger and more fun and appreciate your kids yes. more, but you are a, a closer-knit team for the hardships and the day-to-day grind Mm -hmm. that life throws at you. Okay, Jennifer, really quick before we wrap up, I want to do a fun rapid fire where I just ask you random things. You good? Cool. I'm good. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Number one, first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. 
Oh, I look at my phone. I'm such a jerk. We all do. I know. It's fine. Hey, everyone's just going me didn't. too. You're I'm just, but I don't want to lie. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> it's tell the truth. Okay, number two, um, what is your favorite thing to do with your husband on a date? Where do, what's y'all's favorite date night? We are foodies, so we love okay. going out to eat, which okay. is also not good on my waistline, but fabulous. <laughs> we just went out for like street tacos for it's, lunch yesterday. It's an fabulous. investment in the marriage like we were just talking it is. about. <laughs> Um, what is a product that you could not live without? And I know it's not that terrible hair stuff that you talked about like a year ago. Listen, your hair's looking great, by the way. Hey, thank it's you. Back. My hair is coming back it's in full back. force. Product sure that I cannot live without. Um, well, it's all of my hair products, all the good, healthy products. Hairspray, big, sexy hair, number one. Okay, okay. And I've well, sampled every single one of them. Big, sexy hair, still number one hairspray. I love it. Okay, what is one weird or interesting thing about you that most people wouldn't know? You're pretty transparent, so I don't know if, I don't know if you hide things, but— um, is there anything, I like, am, funny about you? Uh, I used to be a very, very good baton twirler. I twirled two batons, one <laughs> baton, fire batons. I burnt all the hair off of my arms for many years twirling fire <laughs> at football games. And sometimes if you get me to drink a margarita, I will on occasion go out in the driveway and still twirl two, just for just for fun for people. I'm entertainment. I'm football entertainment, Christy. Um, I could absolutely see that. And the burned arm hair is going to be my favorite. In these little sequin outfits. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I love it. Okay, one last one, and this one's more okay. serious, but also still good. We're okay. we're talking all about balance kind of in this season mm-hmm. leading up to my book launch this fall, and I love to hear from yes. people, what does balance feel like to you? Like, what makes you have that sense of like, yeah, things are right in my world? Mm. So when, I, when I'm balanced, I feel like um, I've got things in order. I feel like I got priorities in order, and there's a real peace in my spirit when things are in balance, which, you know, the opposite of that is when I'm very chaotic and everything feels very chaotic. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it good. It feels peace, peace. Oh, my God. Jennifer, 100%. I could just talk to you all day about all the things. I could, Listen, too. I could, too. This is you, so fun. You are so wise. And I just love mm, how you, you love the the people that you take care of, the women that you coach, the, yep. the readers of your books, your blogs, all the things. And you also love the Lord, and you love your family. And I'm just so, so grateful for your friendship. Yes. I'm grateful to know you. I know people want to know, where can they follow you? Tell them on Instagram yeah. and your website where they can get your book, Fear is Not the Boss of You, oh, and hear so about sweet. all the things that you're doing. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, they can go to my website, jenniferallwood.com. There's um, some fun freebies there. There's links to go get my book, um, Jennifer Allwood on Facebook. I'm verified on Instagram. I'm not, and I'm still irritated about this, Christy. Like, how do you have over 100,000 followers on Instagram and not a check behind your name? Yeah. I don't understand. What are they doing? And so I'm going to take this up with Mark Zuckerberg when we Please meet do. again, which we yeah. never will. But anyhow, <laughs> but that's where they can find me. The book is, of course, wherever books are sold. And so thank you so much. I just want to pay some honor to you because it never feels like competition with you. We coach sure. a lot of, you know, women same that are people. in the same industry and same niches. We have a heart on the same things. It never feels like we're in competition. And I love that about our friendship. So thank you. Thank you for having me and all you're doing um, for women as well. Well, Jennifer, I could not echo that enough. And one of the things I love about you and I that I just want to reiterate before we wrap up is Mm -hmm. you and I, what's so cool about us is we serve an abundant God. And I hope that women see that and feel that because there is no competition when you have Mm -hmm. a God that is a God of abundance and there is plenty for everyone. And I love how he's using you and love how he's using me and using us together. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all, we are at the point in the show where I'm going to answer your questions. And I love this part because I don't know the questions. So it's fun for me and fun for you. Okay. Um, How do you know when to move on if your partner isn't ready to get married? Cool. Right. Um, All right. I have so many follow-up questions to this, but you're not here. So let me just go through some scenarios. Okay. Maybe like I'm just going to make this up on the fly. Some, um, you know, flags, red flags, maybe. Um, 
Number one, it has been a very, very long time, like years and years, and you don't see any end in sight. So that's obviously a clue, which I'm guessing is probably your case if you're asking this question. The second one is if your partner is not willing to talk about marriage. Like, Anytime you bring it up or hint at it or talk to them directly, like, hey, what are our plans for the future? What are your plans for marriage? And they're not willing to talk about it, that's a red flag. That's not a good sign. Um, Another scenario where they are making plans that don't involve you, like they're planning to buy a house, they're planning to go on vacations, they're talking about plans for the future, and you're not a part of these discussions, red flag. So if it's been a very long time, years, years and years. Now, I'm not saying if you're in high school and it's been years, like, obviously. But if it's been years and years and you're an adult, then that's a concern. If they're not willing to talk about it, that's a concern. If uh, they are making plans for the future and don't talk to you about those plans as if you're a part of this plan, that's a concern. The best way to handle it, and I know this sounds extreme, but I'm guessing you're in this scenario because you're asking this, the best way to handle it is to talk about it as openly and directly as possible. It would look something like this. Hey, I really want to have a conversation about the future to make sure that we are on the same page. Let me know when it's good for you. Now, I know that sounds silly to like plan to talk, but in case your partner is like my husband and he needs to think about things before he talks about things to process his thoughts and his feelings before he talks about it, that's a very respectful thing to do to give someone a heads up that you wanna have a big, important conversation. But then you plan it, put it on the calendar, and sit down and you share openly where you're coming from. Like, hey, I plan to get married. If that's not part of your plan, I'd love to know now and us go our separate ways. You want this, I want this. Are these the same things and we make plans together or are they different things and it's time to part ways? I honestly think all of it can come down to a conversation that's going to lead to the clarity that you're looking for. Will it be awkward? For sure. Will it be uncomfortable? Yes. Will it be maybe scary? Yes. Will it be worth it? Yes. Because either you're gonna get the peace of mind that you're looking for, or you're going to get the freedom to move on with your life that maybe you need right now. Great question, and I will be thinking about you as you have this hard conversation. If you do, please let me know. You can send me a message on social media, on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to hear how it goes. All right, next question. How do I make the most of my mornings before I have to drive to work? Right, so morning routines can be this exciting thing or intimidating thing. And if you're like me, you have so many things you wanna do in the morning and you get discouraged because you can't do all of them. So I'll give you a quick tip and tell you what I do, okay? There are certain things I want to do before my kids wake up, before I head out the door to begin my crazy day. I love to have some time alone, which means time without children time without getting milk, hearing about the complaints between the siblings, getting clothes ready for school, all that, which means I wake up before my kids every day if possible. Because when I wake up before my kids, I wake up as me, not as mom. And that small shift, I'm telling you, makes a huge difference in how I approach my day. So my first tip for you is if you have children, wake up before your children so you start your day as you. But then during that time, when you wake up before your kids, you can use it a few different ways. Two things that are really important to me are working out and quiet time. Now, unless I wanted to wake up at 3 a.m., which I don't, I can't do both of those every single day. So what I do is I trade off. 
Some days I'll work out. Some days I have quiet time. Some days, if it's a complete miracle, maybe I can squeeze in a short 20-minute workout and a short, you know, 10-minute quiet time. But most mornings, I choose. And so I just want to give you permission to choose which days you do which things. Then in a given week, you're doing the things that are most important to you without the pressure of doing everything every single day. That's a tip that works for me, and maybe it'll work for you. I hope that helps. Great question. It's something we all struggle with, right? All right, here's another one. (laughs) I love this one. It's like an underhanded pitch. Here we go. How do you have life balance? Oh, okay. Well, I am your specialist on this. I want everything done or I'm overwhelmed and I don't do anything. Don't we all do that? Like in anything in life, we swing to these extremes of like, we're doing everything and we're knocking out our to-do list or we're doing nothing and we were just giving up completely. I'm like that with working out. Like I'll be working out all the time really consistently or I give up entirely and just eat Oreos by the sleeve on the couch with a pint of Ben and Jerry's and a chick flick, right? Like it's like, (laughs) it's all or nothing. If we can't do the big impressive things, we're just not gonna do anything. I would encourage you that there is something really beautiful, really peaceful and fulfilling about moderation. Is it impressive? No. Are you going to post on Facebook about it? No. Is it going to make your Apple Watch blow up with all the rings that you've closed? No. But it is sustainable. So what does it look like to do something? Something. I had uh, a goal, this was a few years ago, of something I wanted to do for a family member, and I was super overwhelmed by it. Like, it was a Mount Everest type type of goal, and I really wanted to do it for this person. And I was actually at dinner with one of my good friends, Crystal Evans-Hurst, and I was having a similar discussion with her. I said, I want to do this, but it feels like Mount Everest. Like, it feels like an impossible task. And she said, just because you can't do everything you want to do doesn't mean you can't do anything. Just do something. Do what you can do with what you have. And y'all, I did that. And it's amazing how fulfilled I felt at getting to do something versus giving up entirely and not doing anything. So I would say, what can you do in this season? Maybe you don't check off 25 things on your to-do list. You set a to-do list of three things and you're able to get three things done. And it's not as impressive as you hoped or you wanted, but you did something. And something is much more sustainable than this ridiculous standard you hold yourself to and then beat yourself up when you don't get to. You know, I tell people all the time that life balance isn't doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. When you do the right things at the right time, you will feel the balance you've been looking for. I hope that encourages you. And you also might want to know that my book is on this very subject coming out in September. It's called Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance. And I dig into this subject thoroughly, because as we know, it's a pain point for all of us. All right, last question here. I strayed from my faith for years, and I'd like to find a way back and learn more about it. What are some resources for faith to learn and grow with God for someone who's coming back? You know what I'm going to do? I know this is weird. I'm going to find out who sent this question. I'm going to dig into my social media account, find this person, and I'm going to send you a copy of my devotional because I would love to just introduce you to a God that loves you very much. But if you're listening right now and this relates to you, but it wasn't your question, I just wanna encourage you, anything, anything. There is no wrong step 
back into the faith. There's no wrong way to do it, no wrong place to go, person ask, book to read. If you take a step toward a relationship with God, he will meet you there. Whether it's a church that you happen to be driving by, a person at your work that you know is a believer and you wanna ask them a question, or a book that you find at the library and you just pick it up, I promise you any step in the direction of God, he will in his power and his love for you meet you right in that step. So what's the right step? Any step. Any step is the right step, and I'll be praying that you take it. Thank you guys so much for sending in this question. This is so fun. I love hearing from you. I love hearing your heart. I love answering your questions to the best that I possibly can and giving you advice of what works for me and what I've seen work for other women in all walks of life. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Of course, for more encouragement on becoming the person that you wanna be, you can visit ChrissyWright.com.